to suffer shame and such disgrace. On Mount Calvary took my place. Then I asked myself this question, who am I? Who If you take uh, your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke. Book of Luke, and I need to turn this on, don't I? All right, I think it should be on now. Take just a second. There we go. Luke chapter 6. If you look at Luke chapter 6, we're going to begin at verse 38. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, and I'm just going to jump right into it. I do want to say this, especially for the folks that have been around uh, around a while. Uh, sometimes I, I, I get a little nervous that you, you know, as you look around the crowd, maybe look it's a little down, a little more so than than, than uh, normal. Uh, we have started a lot of other things. We've got a lot of people that are out working in a lot of different areas. We had one nursery, now we have three, uh, which takes you know several ladies out uh, for the nursery. We've got a lot more people working over in the junior church because we're growing there and trying to get prepared for the big days that are coming up. So. There's a lot of people that uh, would be in here, sitting here right now, that are not, that uh, were a few months ago. So, just wanted to encourage you that way, maybe. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give, 
and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over, and shall men give into your bosom. For with the, the same measure that you meet, with all, it shall be measured to you again. And verse 39 says, And he spake a parable unto them, Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? Then if, if you'll skip all the way down to Luke chapter 6, verse 46, same chapter, of course, uh, verse 46, it says, And why call ye me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. We're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to start it. Father, I pray that you bless. Holy Spirit of God, I, I need you, especially this morning, a little clarity of mind. I, I need it. Uh, the, the mind's a little foggy today. And, and Father, I pray that you'd please bless. And Lord, I ask you that You'd guide me, and you'd direct everything that I say and everything that I do. And, and Lord, uh, uh, not because of me, but, but because it's your word, this is the most important part of the whole service. This is why we come to church, to come to, to see the word of God, to learn the word of God, to hear the word of God. And, Lord, I pray that it be done uh, rightfully and wholly uh, this morning. Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to the hand. I need you, and I ask you to fill me every fiber of my being, please. Lord, wrap your arms around this place and, and, and protect us from all evil, Lord, that we would be able to hear, that we'd be able to learn. Lord, we, we yield ourselves to thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, for some time now, Brother Hopper has been teaching on finances uh, over in the other building, he, the, what we call our, our young adults class, and uh, he's been teaching on finances, and I get great reports about that. And uh, I'm going to spend a little bit of time this morning on, uh, on giving, uh, giving that brings great dividends. Now, I know as soon as we read, we read this portion of Scripture, or even I make these comments, Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with what measure you meet, <clears throat> with shall it be measured to you again. I know when we read these and we talk about this, immediately the mind's going, oh, he's going to be talking about our finances. He's going to be talking about our money. He's going to be talking about our giving. And I'll just, I'm going to just kind of put you at ease. Uh, that's not where we're going this morning. That's not where we're headed. We're not talking about a dollar this morning. We're not talking about uh, money this morning. I know that primarily that verse we just read deals with that, but I want you to notice it says, give and it shall be given unto you, but it doesn't say what you're giving. And that's the question I ask, give what? And what shall be given you once you give whatever you give? This is uh, somewhat in question, and it is the question, but the primary uh, lesson this morning comes from uh, just this little portion down here where it says, for with the same measure that you meet, with it shall be measured to you again. Meet with all is, is kind of uh, all one definition is to be measured out, to put a ruler to it, to put a tape on it, so to speak. And it's not about speculation. It's in a mathematical amount. It's a specific 
uh, uh, amount. God says, you're going to measure out a certain amount. And God says, watch this, when you give, I'm going to measure out a certain amount back to you. And it'll be proportionately to how, you, how much you give. Different substances are measured in different ways. And that's why he didn't talk about a, a certain amount. He didn't say give a dollar and, not, and I'll give you back a dollar. Of course, they didn't have dollars. But he didn't say uh, a specific amount of money. He didn't give a type of measurement. Uh, you know, we have liters. We have gallons. We have ounces. We have pounds and so on. There's all kinds of God says give, and whatever you give proportionally will be given unto you. Notice also that it's proportional, not amount for amount. Get, the, get that. Now, God says, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, uh, it's going to be almost a mathematical equation. You give, and it shall be given unto you. And then he's going to go into how that proportionally is done. He talks about it being this amount of packing and overflowing uh, in this giving. You give, and he says, I'm going to give you so much more than you give. And he describes it. Now, I know, you know, probably still thinking, well, how can, how can this not be talking about money? But Luke 6.39 gives us a little hint. Look at Luke 6.39. It says, and he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? Now, here he is. He's talking about different, different subjects. He's going di- down through this line, and, he, and he, he talks about forgive, and you shall be forgiven. He talks about give, and you shall be given. And then he says, can the blind lead the blind? Except they both fall into a ditch. What's God, what's God talking about here? Can the, if you don't forgive, if you don't give, you will not receive. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. If you don't give, you will not receive. If you do not receive, get this now, if you don't receive, how much can you lead others to give or to forgive? See, God's saying if you'll understand what it really means to give and to be given uh, because you give, he said then you can lead others into understanding how important it is to give. If you can forgive, that's a really more important one even than giving. Uh, If you can forgive, God says then you'll be forgiven and you can lead others into understanding and you can lead others into forgiveness. But if you don't do that, you're blind. He said, so if you've never understood forgiveness, how are you going to lead somebody else to forgiveness? If you don't understand giving, how are you going to lead somebody else to give? Are you all okay with me so far? Am I got you too confused right now? Why is a person blind? Because he's spiritually blind, first of all. And that saved and unsaved can be spiritually blind. John 9, 39 says, and Jesus said, for judgment I am coming to this world that they which see might not, might uh, uh, see not might see, and they that which see might be made blind. He's saying, I came because, you know, I came to the people that were blind, the people that knew they were blind. You know, a blind man knows he's blind. Did did y'all know that? I mean, this is deep thought, but a blind man knows he's blind. Jesus said, that's who I came to. The man who knows he has a need, I came to give him sight. The man that really knows, and and truthfully, the person who's going to receive this morning is the person who understands how much he needs this morning. The person that doesn't really have a need, that thinks they got it all together, and, and, you know, they're God's gift to to mankind, you're not going to get much this morning. Then there's the physically blind. Matthew chapter 9, verse 28 and 29 says, And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, 
And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Now, these are physically blind. doesn't say really, I, I think by the passage, I don't think they were spiritually blind because they came to Jesus believing. Uh, it doesn't say anything in the passage about this, this set of blind people. It doesn't say anything about the passage about Jesus leading them to himself or, or saying, do you believe in who I am? No, uh, he says, you believe I can do this? And they say, yes, he heals them. And that's really all that's said. He doesn't come back to them or he doesn't say anything else spiritually uh, to them about their eternal salvation. I believe these already believed in Jesus and they came to be physically healed. Now, the blind man needs someone to guide him. He needs someone to guide him spiritually. Acts 8.30 says, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the, uh, the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man guide me? Do you understand? This is a man. This was a leader. He's got a chariot. He's in, the, in that chariot. He's a leader of people. Uh, he's somebody. And he, they, in humility, Philip says, Do you understand? And, and I love this. He said, How can I unless somebody teach me? How can I unless somebody guide me? Man, that is incredible humility. You know what? That humility, though, led this man to trust Christ. And that humility led that man to take the gospel back to his nation. Now, that's spiritually. Physically, uh, Mark 8, 22 says that he cometh to Bethesda, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And so there's some that just are physically blind. There's some that are spiritually blind. God has given much to each of us physically and spiritually. He's given every one of us in this room right now the, the physical health just to be here. And it's kind of nice to have enough help to be here. And it's after weeks of just being, being down. And it's nice just to, to have that help to be able to get. Spiritually, God led some of you here. You're just, you, you know what you're here? You're driven to be here because you say, you know what? I'm, I'm hungry for some spiritual food. I'm hungry for something. And that's, and that's again, uh, um, I keep bringing her name up, but Ms. L uh, Belinda said to, said to me a week or two ago, and I hope they got to you. I told them to, but she said, can I get some, some sermon CDs and, uh, so she can listen to it because she's, she's bedridden. She's down. She's at home. And you know what? She said, I, I need, I still need some nourishment. Now, if the Lord will give to us, should we not give to others as we have been given? And so the Lord feeds us through His church, through the Word of God, through our own Bible study. But now this leads us, and I know you're still hanging on there going, where is He going? And as soon as I figure it out, I'll tell you. But Luke chapter 6, look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Look at verse 46. And we'll read it again. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep. I want you to notice those two words, and digged deep, and laid the foundation of, on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that that without a foundation built a, an house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Now, notice what he says. He says, you do not the things I say. Now, we're talking about a few things 
here, in, you know, several different things, actually. But we're talking about, one, forgive and be forgiven. We're talking about, two, give and it shall be given. We're talking about, three, can the blind lead the blind? But then finally, in this last passage, we see that this little, little phrase, he digs deep and has a foundation that will last. He digs deep. So I'm going to try to put it all together now. Given it shall be given, money, sure. But in the context of all Jesus says in this chapter, I believe he's talking about giving of yourself, giving of your time, giving of your energy, giving of your effort, giving your commitment, giving to others, giving yourself to God, giving yourself to Bible study, giving yourself to prayer. God's just talking about giving of yourself. And he says, if you give, you shall be given. All of us, to some extent, more or less, are spiritually blind. Not as far as salvation, hopefully, but as far as spiritual knowledge. How can we lead others who are spiritually blind eternally and spiritually blind presently if we continue to struggle to see ourselves? And all this is foundation I'm still building. How can any see except some man guide us? Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear uh, without a preacher? And then 1017 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And that's why it's so important to be in church where the word of God is preached. For so long, I've told people, especially my sailor boys, I'd win them to the Lord. I know they're shipping out, and I would say to them, listen, son, you, sometimes they don't even know where they're going to end up, and they don't know, we can't, back then, we didn't have all these computers and all these things to tie into, and we would search for churches, and I would say to them, whatever you do, you get in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. Why? Because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And how shall they hear except there be a preacher? And, and that preacher needs to be preaching the Word of God. I got a, a, a flyer in the mail yesterday, and it's talking about an Easter program and come out to our church Easter program. And, 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 it, and one of the key things, it, 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 said, it said nothing about the preaching and all the flyer. It did say the music will be rocking. The, you know, and I'm like, okay, you don't have to go to church to get that. You really don't have to go to church where the, the music's rocking, the entertainment's great, the fun, fun, fun we're going to have. Look, go to the park. Go to the ball game. What should be somewhere in there is that, hey, we will preach the Word of God. What is this all about? It's a challenge to everyone in this room, and I'm going to bring it on down there and, and so that everybody can understand really where I'm going. Number one, understand that God will give proportionally to you as you give. Number two, the one who grows the most is the one who invests the most. Listen to me. The one who grows the most is the one who invests the most. You know, I was thinking, and I got on this thinking about, I started to come in and, and just kind of speak to the, to the, the class of their brother John was teaching, and I was just going to spend a few minutes, and then as I got into it, I ended up with a sermon out of it. And so, uh, but, but, you know, if, if you went to the bank every week and you deposited $100, 
We've got any mathematical geniuses in here. If you did that every week for a year, how much would you have? Thank you. It's all, everybody else is in there going, uh, I'm not sure. Hold on. It's 52 weeks in a year, right? Come on, y'all. I mean, just because I feel bad don't mean you all got to. Look, 52 weeks in a year, we're going to $100 every week, 100 times 52. What would that be? $5,200. That would be good. Would you like to have $5,200 in the bank at the end of the year? Would you like to ever have $5,200 in the bank? Now, think, watch this now. If you went to the bank twice a week and you put in $100 each time, now how much would you have? That's $200 a week times 52. $10,400. We had a few people that, that got it. We're going to hire these girls over here going, oh, man, they passed me a long time ago. Okay. Now, if you went to the bank three times a week and you deposited $100 every time, three times 52, 100, 300 times 52 would be how much? $15,600. Now, how many of you would like to have $15,600 at the end of the year? How many of you would like to have $15,600 before you die? I would like to have $15,600 right now. That would be an incredible blessing. Now, all i got to do is to go three times a week and, and, and deposit $100 each time. You say, Brother Hooker, nobody's going to be able to do that. Well, somebody probably could. But Now, the average savings account interest, I love looking this up, the average savings account interest is 0.06%. Now, you're making a killing putting it into your savings account. You're making a lot of interest. So I didn't even bother figuring what the interest would really be because that got into an incredible mathematical equation if you're depositing it, you know, three times a week over the course of the year. It was, it was insane. But put it down. It, it, it's nothing anyway because it's 0.06%. But here's what I'm talking about, and here's my whole purpose for this message what we're talking about is not the bank's interest rate. We're talking about God's interest rate. You see, God's interest rate, uh, he says to anyone who gives of himself, gives his time, gives his money, gives his effort, gives his strength, gives his might, anybody that gives himself to God and to the Word of God and to the study of God and to the people of God, that person, he invests in the Lord and others, God's interest, here's what he says, it's good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You see, you, you see what he's saying? It's 100, 200, 300, 400 percent. It's 1,000 percent. But it's not all cash and material things. It's in your mind. It's in our minds. It's in our thoughts. It's in our life, in our marriage, in our children. God is multiplying the blessing upon us. So what is this all about? If you couldn't catch it from an illustration, this is a warning to all of us. I've seen through my life as, as many Christians who come to Christ, and then they come to church, and then they cut, the, and, and I'll be honest with you, they start to invest. They start to invest their life into God. Did you know that's what coming to church is? 
You're coming to make an investment into God. If you don't put a dime in the plate, you're coming to make an investment into God. You still are. Now, it would be a better investment if you put something in the plate. But you're making an investment into God. Now, listen to me now. They begin to invest. They receive some wonderful dividends. I, man, I, I, please, folks, I've seen this so many times. And you that have been in church for a long time, you know that I'm telling the truth. And maybe you could back me up on this. But you, here's what happens. They, somebody, they, they, they're in, their life is on, on, on a downward spiral. They're in wreck. They're in ruin. They're about to mess up everything. Marriage is about to fall apart. Kids are about to blow apart. Everything's about to go crazy. And here's what they do. They come to church. Often they get saved. They may even be so humble and surrendered that they get baptized. They may join the church. And, man, they'll start coming to church. And here's what happens. They start treating each other better. You know why they do that? Because that's what the Word of God tells us to do. We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to treat each other different. We're supposed to have some kind of character or discipline in our home. Did you understand that? And that helps your children. I, I say this again. I was just talking to up there at, at the college. I was talking to the, the new president up there, and he was talking about the fact that they, they need to uh, they get back to having some uh, just some structure and discipline in the college. He said, you know, because when I was in the military, I came in right after out of Vietnam, and he said there was no, no discipline in the military right after Vietnam. And he said, you know, the morale was the pits. He said, but when he went, when I went to 82nd Airborne, he said, I walked up into 82nd, and I walked in the gate, man. He said, from that moment on, there was discipline. And he said, you know, from that moment on, there was morale. There was positive morale. There was a good spirit. There was a good attitude. Can I tell you, that's part of what we teach in the church, that, yeah, there, there are, there's a structure to life, and if you live according to that structure, if we'll have a little discipline, if we'll have a little character, watch it, if we'll have work ethic. It's one of the things I've already taught the young people here, and I'll teach them again this, but, but that's what God created man to do. God created man to work, to have character, to integrity. You know, the harder worker you are, there's a real probability that you also, your integrity level is going to increase. If you're a hard worker, you usually got a pretty good integrity level. And so those things are good. And so you know what happens is we start to, we start to man, uh, we, Kids are kind of, we're starting to get along, and maybe all the fighting starting to hush at home, and mom and dad are starting to get along. And, and watch this. We even teach uh, that character and that discipline, that integrity, that truth, that honesty, that morality that we teach, that helps you at work. It helps you to move up at work. It helps you to go from stocking shelves to running the business. And all that happens. And those things happen, and people, man, got this and got that, and things are going good, and I'm not driving a broken-down car or, you know, this. And here's what happens. We start to pull our investment. Well, we're, we're okay now. So we got it together. Now we, we don't really need to be there as, as much. And it's just like the finances, you, you know, well, hey, you know, I, I'm doing pretty good. And I, I've been putting $100 every week in there, so I'm doing pretty good. And then, you know, I, I went through uh, one year, and I put in, got all the way to the point where I, I put in $300 a week. 
And, and, and man, I got 15,000. I'm, I'm sitting pretty good. So I'm going to ease up on that putting money in, man. You know, it's time now to use it. What, anybody, anybody testify that it spends a lot quicker than you put it in? Man, you work and work and work to get that built up and feel so good about yourself, and it can be gone like that. I worked one whole summer working for $3.65 an hour, worked about 65 hours a week, and I saved up $1,600. $1,600 to go back to college with. I was so excited, man. I got $1,600. You can, a whole semester at Memphis State back then was only like, a, like 200 bucks a semester or something. I'm, I'm sitting great. And about a week before school started, I borrowed my aunt's green Monte Carlo, 1972 green Monte Carlo, brand new, to go out on a date. And I was coming home from that date and fell asleep a half a mile from my house. I cleaned out about 100 yards of ditch. Had my window down and I was buried because it just shaved off all that dirt and it all came inside. And when I finally figured out what had happened to me, I cranked it back up and thought, oh, it's running. Threw it into gear and we just kind of went, Hop, 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 hop. And when I got out, I looked and realized that the wheels on that side of the driver's side, both front and back, had been ripped off, rims and all. Cost me $1,400. I worked all summer long. It's amazing how quick it can vanish. Let me testify something that will vanish quicker. Get married. I don't care how much you got. It vanishes really fast. Now, what happens, though, is that we stop investing because we're sitting good. There's a problem. When you start sitting good, you got a little bit to spend. So you know what you do? You get in the habit of spending, but if you're not replacing, now you're in the habit of spending. Pretty soon, you're not only at zero, you're in the hole. Because you're in the habit of spending now, but you're not putting in. Whether you can get this correlation or not, but folks, you got to keep investing. Church is not just a place to come rub a rabbit's foot each week. It's a place to come to invest. And watch this. When you invest, and the more you invest, the more return you get. The greater the dividends. You come once a week, and that's good measure. You come twice and it's pressed down. You come three times a week and it's shaking together. You come and get involved in the lives of others and it's running over. I'm, I'm 
throwing out the challenge because this can happen to any of us at any stage of life. We feel like we've invested enough. Until you die, you haven't invested enough. And until you die, you've got to understand that once you stop investing, then you're spending and living off of what you put in before. And it's decreasing and diminishing all the time. If you don't understand this one, how about this, folks? Anybody here would testify that when you were young, you could eat anything and not gain a pound? Right? Anybody that way? I mean, man, I one time with my brother, my John was telling me, he came home from, from uh, the Army, and, and I'm, I'm supposing he paid for it because I never had this kind of money. But uh, me and my brother we, and cousin, we decided to have a, a double cheeseburger eating contest. We sat down and ate 13 apiece. 13 double cheeseburgers. And watch this. We were washing it down with milkshakes and eating french fries. And you know what I weighed? About 130 pounds. And I'm sure 30 minutes after I did that, we were out playing basketball or something. Now, have you noticed that if you eat like that now, what happens? If I ate 13 double cheeseburgers, beside the fact that I would blow up, I'd be so big. If I kept doing that, I'd be so big I couldn't get in the doors because it just, I mean, the pounds come on so fast, and they're so hard to get up. Listen, folks, you either got to keep investing, you either got to keep working, you either got to keep being diligent or you're living off the past. And that's going to drain dry pretty soon. And I want you to notice this finally clear. It clearly says, shall men give into your bosom? Truth is, this is so much more valuable than money. What God's talking about, you don't place money. God said, shall men give into your bosom? He's not talking about that men put money into your bosom. No, what he's talking about, and he's talking about in that bosom, he's talking, that's the heart. That's, a, that, that's this area, the, the heart area, the cavity of man. God says, you know what I'm going to put inside you? Truth and righteousness and holiness and understanding and compassion and love. And they're pressed down into you. And this cannot be bought with any amount of money. Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. He means buy, obtain, possess it. Truth cannot be purchased with gold the truth is possessed or obtained through the word and the spirit of God and so it's here it's a place like this it's it's a service like this although maybe I'm not made this clear but but the truth is is right here it's coming to church and look it's coming to church weekly it's coming to church regularly it's coming to church Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night why because we live in a wicked world And we need to keep investing in God. We need to keep investing in God because he'll keep just pouring over. He'll keep shaking it together. He'll keep pressing it down. He'll keep giving and giving to us where we walk out and say, I can keep fighting this battle again. 
We've got to understand that with God and the spiritual life, there is no drive-through. There is no ATM where we drive up and boom and grab it quick. No, you know, years ago, I, I really, a, a man that was really good in investments and, and dealing with bankers and stuff, he told me this. He said, he said Bob, let, let me just tell you something. It's a little simple trick. He said, never go through the drive-through. Never go to the ATM unless the bank is closed. He said, listen to me. He said, go inside and meet the people. He said, go inside and make sure they know who you are. And you know, I do that even to today. Right here, I started out here, First Tennessee Bank, and I went down there, and I go in. Every time I go there, I go inside. And yet, watch this. Not only does the bank manager, president, whoever he is, he knows me. I walk in. He says, hey, pastor. I walk in about two days ago. Hey, pastor. Read your sign again. Brother, he's always reading my sign. He said, I read your sign again. I went in one day and I said, I, I need to cash some. I don't have checks for that account over there because it's just a savings thing. And I said, I need to get some cash out. And, and, I, and I told him, I said, I got a, a couple that's got some help. They're homeless and yada, yada. And he said, really? He pulled out $20. He said, Pastor, let me help on that. You know what? You get to know people, and you get to influence people, and you get they get to know you. And listen, that's why you don't drive through and pray in a drive through out here. That's why we don't, we don't have an ATM for Christianity. No, we get together and so much the more to encourage one another, to learn the Word of God. And watch, so God can bless us, but we're not talking financially, so he can pour down into us. He can reciprocate what we give. You have to come in and to get to know him. How much are you investing? Invest, invest much and you'll get much. Truth is, invest much and you'll get more than you can imagine. And what am I talking about? It's taken a lifetime. I, I read a thing this morning, and I'm done, but I read things somebody wrote to our family, a little card, and said, the testimony of your daughters and all of your grandchildren is such a blessing for what they're doing for God. Listen to me. It didn't come from just coming once a week and putting in my $100. It didn't. Talked to one of my kids the other day, and I said, great commitment calls for great sacrifice. And if you're going to commit to this thing, and that, there's some things, you, you know, you might have to sacrifice not seeing the NCAA championship. You might have to sacrifice on Super Bowl Sunday not seeing the Super Bowl. You might have to sacrifice some time and energy, and you might do that. That might be a sacrifice. But can I tell you, it's really not a great sacrifice because the return, the dividends are so great. They are so great. It's from a life that just said, we're nothing. We don't know anything. But you know what? We're going to come. 
We're going to listen. We're going to learn. We're going to let the Word of God change us. I started to preach about it, and I'll do one day, but, but I just go through a, a whole list of series of the first times that I heard the decision that I said, God, if that's what you want, then I'll do it. I'm not smarter than other people. I'm not better than anybody else. I'm just telling you, this thing is rather simple. But if you'll come in the door and you'll come with an open heart and open mind, then God will says, I won't just repay you for your sacrifice. I'll press it down. I'll shake it together so I can get some more in there. He said, when I get done, what I'm going to do for you is going to be running over. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, I, 